Oh, hey, your Towneranians. Is that a word? It is now. Yeah. I feel like we need to come up with something for, you know, the 20,456 people that listen to us each week. Minus a lot. Like, just to have one, like the your Towneranians <laughs> or whatever I said. The your Towners. We'll come up. That sounds easier to say. We'll come up with something or send us a message on the Instagram. So we're going to try something a little bit different on this episode. We're going to be taking an article, hopefully going forward, kind of this direction as well. Articles, stories, and some stuff that's been written by Zach. So, Zach, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. We appreciate you. Zach does a lot of the hard work behind the scenes. He's posting stuff on the Instagram. He's he's writing stuff. He went to school for this, and he actually used to work for a paper company, so he's the one that he should be doing the research and doing the writing, because he can sound much smarter. So this was a piece that, uh, that, that we had talked about doing a while ago. He wrote it up, and I'm super excited. There is going to be some stuff where I'm going to mess up and it's going to sound like I'm coming potentially from Zach or I don't know the terminologies because this is going to be about Dungeons and Dragons and I've never played it. Have you? Nope. No. So this is going to be good. We're, we're going to read this and go through this for the very first time. It's going to be interesting <laughs> and uh, I'm super excited about this. So thanks again, Zach. And also thanks to everybody that listens, especially part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Shout out to the podcast of the month's Metal Head Journey and the Milf and Me podcast. Make sure you check them out. Deluxe Edition Network.com. All right, let's get in to this story. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, we got a little bit of an intro again written by Zach. Here we go. Time spent with good friends is one of the few things folks from any time, place, or walk of life can enjoy and look forward to. If you happen to be a good friend of, you know, potentially Zach or mine or Meg, chances are that when we all get together, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And by we, it's Zach and his buddies. <laughs> the juggernaut of high fantasy role-playing math, drama, conquest, triumph, and anguish has been the epicenter of so many enjoyable times in Zach's life, and probably many others. But, like most things good and amazing in this world, the shine hides a shadow, and his beloved D&D is no exception. I'm Matt. And I'm Meg. And, and producer Zach, he's listening, and he wrote this up. And this is the Your Town Podcast. We're back. You knew that we would. And roll to save. It's probably what then 15-year-old David... Oh, He's given me some names that are super hard. I'm terrible at them. David Ventiquatro. That's how I would have said it too. Yes. Said to his friends and neighbor, Martin Howland, as he leveled a shotgun at the 11-year-old boy prepared to pull the trigger. Dun, okay. dun, dun. That escalated quickly. Like, we went from <laughs> intro to that. <laughs> but let's back things up a little bit. Oh, I see what he did there. Okay, we're back in. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. I was having like, shot, uh, like, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Flashbacks to the Blind River uh, killer up in Ontario. Because, <laughs> you know, we are an international podcast and everything now. So for some deep background, so we know what we're dealing with, Dun Dungeons and Dragons. Well, this is educational too, all right? It's a tabletop role-playing game, a TTRPG. Oh, that what that means. Okay. First introduced in the 70s. Oh, I didn't realize I went back that far. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking like 50s and 60s. Um, 70s. 70s seems good. I, was, I thought it was like an 80s thing, I guess. So you've never played. Have you ever witnessed a live game with people playing it? Mm. Like been in the room while people were playing it? No. Same. Got a lot of friends that do play it, though, and I've been invited to a lot of games. Maybe after this, this will inspire us to have our own. But maybe not. <laughs> we we do have a little bit of uh, too many projects going on. All right, so the game centers around the dynamic of the dungeon master or the one who runs the game tells the story in the adventuring party. The people at the table playing as characters in the story being run by the dungeon master. To play, the dungeon master constructs a fantastic world filled uh, with quests and strange and exotic creatures and everything, um, villains, engaging cities, locations, people, and moments in time where the heroes, played by the others at the table, can rise about the chattel of the common men around them. Is that the is that chattel? Chattel? Sure. I didn't know if it was French or not. I don't know. Okay. Fancy words. He could read it. Apparently we can't. Uh, but either way, in the common men around them, stare death and danger and evil in the face and become gods against mortals. I mean, that's pretty cool. But then he says, or they can try to hook up with a goblin. He used a bad word, but we're trying to be, you know, you know, kid-friendly here. So you could apparently make love to a goblin if you want. That's pretty common, apparently. That makes sense with Zach and his crew, the ones that I have met, you know, the trying to hook up with goblins and pretend life. At least they're not doing it in real life, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good. No goblin hooking up with in real life. <laughs> but, in short, there are rules in books that everybody involved in a game needs to know or know how to reference. There is a character sheet which gives you all the stats your character has, dice to determine what works and what doesn't, and dice to determine how much damage or impact certain behavior has on the world. It is the most fun you can have while drinking and speaking in a bad Cockney accent. I've had some pretty good times drinking and speaking in weird accents. <laughs> but I'm sure this is a good time as well. Um, and I'm wondering if, if if everybody uses this kind of accent. Uh, it's a London accent, I do believe. Mm. It's an, I, I mean, I'm, how many times have you sober or drunk pretended to chat like with a British accent or London accent? I've done it. It's not good. I can't say I've never done it. Exactly. You done it while drinking? Mm, maybe. You were, weren't you Miss Doubtfire before? That was a British, but an accent. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so there's a there's a group of uh, boys that were in Herrings, New York, which is a tiny hamlet, sub 200 people, per the 2020 census in Jefferson County, a few miles east of Watertown, New York, home of the Car Air Freshener, the city. Or Zach actually lived for a few years and still visits pretty often for work and probably to go to the mall and get some pretzels or go to Zoomies or something like that. And they were playing D&D down there. They were, not me. What the party dynamics in Quest were, they don't really know. Nobody really knows. But the year is 1985. It's the year I was born. Great year. So close your eyes unless you're driving. Do not close your eyes if you are driving. Okay. Only if you're potentially sitting at work or, you know, at the house or maybe even, you know, using the facilities while you're listening to this podcast. And if you are, shout out to you and the person <laughs> in the stall next to you. Hi, I'm Matt. And uh, that's Meg. Hey. They're in the stall next to the person listening to this. Wow. That's cool, right? So cool. Okay. So we're closing our eyes unless we're driving and imagine any scene in Stranger Things. 
where they were playing Dungeons and Dragons, also known as D&D. And this is probably pretty similar to what David, Martin, and the rest of their friends were doing on the fateful night of November 22nd. Hmm. You watch Stranger Things. You remember them playing D&D? I do. Okay. So, so you've seen D&D. Uh, just little clips, though. I haven't like, sat and watched a whole game we played, you know? Yeah, I think it's like... I think Zach one time said that these campaigns last years. They seem pretty creative. Pretty, I'll say that. Like, yeah. imaginative and creative. Yeah, I have to imagine. I, I've never seen somebody that is, in my opinion, and this is no judgment or anything, that probably isn't, like, a very creative, lower IQ person play Dungeons & Dragons. Maybe that's why I've never been invited to a game. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Okay. Although, I did get invited to go play on another podcast, playing Dungeons & Dragons on a Tuesday. They thought it would be funny because I've never played. So if I do, here we go. I'm, I'm going to tell them this story. But these two boys, they were playing this game in um, Venta Quattro's bedroom by themselves when triggered by an in-game happening. He, uh, Ven Venta Quattro pulled out a real shotgun and aimed it at his friend. Believe it or not, according to the fellow neighborhood boys, Jeremy Barlow and uh, Leonard Stray Strabing? 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 Yeah, that's an unfortunate name as a tenor. 10 and 12 years old, respectively, at the time of the killing, questioned during the trial. This wasn't the first time that this had happened. Unlike these previous times, however, he um, discharged the weapon and actually killed his younger friend. Yikes. Man, I know it's the 80s and apparently it's a little different time but it's not a different time i mean why is this kid, kid just pulling out these guns on us friends crazy i mean we live in a pretty rural area that is probably similar to this place and i can tell you that i've never seen anybody just pull out a gun and point it at a friend or a chest or something but hey different different types i guess so the investigation begins and they uh he meets with his lawyer william mccluskey uh, and Zach puts in here, and I quote, I wish I had a transcript of these meetings because in these meetings, Ventiquatro explained a dynamic where his in-game character's purpose was to extinguish evil and that throughout the course of the game, Holland had become evil. So naturally, he needed to extinguish him. In-game, of course, but execution is everything. And he ended up taking things, obviously, a little bit too far and found himself on trial for murder. Wow. Okay. That's that's wild. I mean, I've played video games versus, you know, relatives and video games versus, you know, uh, friends and stuff. And every once in a while, a controller goes flying. You maybe get a punch to the arm or the leg or something. And you kind of move on and you get like heated. I could potentially see where things could escalate very quickly when you kind of dive into such a very intense, imaginative, different world. And it just kind of goes too far. I, to, not to the point where I can see shooting, obviously, or somebody else, but I could see things getting very heated. Mm -hmm. Especially if there's drinking and stuff. Obviously, these, not in this one, they're kids. I'm hoping there isn't drinking, but uh, back to what Zach was saying. So, uh, a New York Times article published November 23rd, 1986, actually details the results of the police investigation. Following the investigation, state police officers testified that. Uh, Ventiquatro leveled his 20-gauge shotgun inches from the back of Holland's head. The investigator Robert J. Semion testified saying he stated that it 
that he was in another world. He stated in his fantasy world, he wanted to kill Martin Holland, but not in real life. This is this is wild. McCluskey cling or uh, clung to the argument that his uh, client was immature and did not realize the consequences of his actions. The statement backed up to some extent by Dr. John F. Harkulik. I hope you all enjoy me butchering life. Like, it's just kind of a thing at this point in, in this and other shows. I just, I'm sorry. I'm terrible at it. I'm going to do better. I think it's my favorite part. <laughs> Either way, he was a psychologist local to Syracuse. Dr. H was brought to examine Ventiquatro's mental and emotional development. Dr. H concluded that he had the maturity of a 12 or 13-year-old at best, despite being 15 at the time of the shooting and 16 by the time court proceedings ended. Hmm. Interesting. So um, all of this, then they continue to go through, and the lawyer failed this um, the persuasion check, and Ventiquatro was found guilty of second-degree murder by Jefferson County Judge John Elward. In his reading of Ventiquatro, I'm really hoping I've been saying his name right the whole time. Sorry to the to, to everybody involved if you're a cousin or anything like that if I'm saying it wrong. But the uh, sentencing, sentencing judge, uh, Allward said, the shotgun slaying of Holland was the most senseless, uh, motiveless slayings he had ever seen. The jury deliberated for four hours before turning in a guilty verdict. For his actions, he received a rather odd and open-ended sentence of five and a half years to life in prison to be served at first in the uh, Brookwood Center Division for Youth, uh, which is an institution 30 miles of, uh, near Albany. According to the New York Times article published following the sentencing, Doctor uh, December 6, 1986. Following the criminal trial, Martin Holland's mother was awarded $75,000 following a wrongful death lawsuit. <sighs> wow. I mean, obviously, no amount of money will ever, ever replace a loved one. And uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to even say if that's enough, you know. Unreal. So, but Ventiquatro went on to serve only a matter of months for the death of Howland. However, in 1988, the Supreme Court of New York, um, the fourth department, uh, this Appellate, Appellate Division, which was the fourth department, overturned the conviction and ruled that police questioned and isolated him from his parents for eight hours to obtain a confession. With the conviction overturned, he was actually set free to resume his life. <laughs> wow. Okay. So after his release, uh, he eventually relocated to Virginia, where he married, had children, and a career as a truck driver. He, wow, okay, another turn of events. He died suddenly in 2010 after a brief illness. His death brought about a wrongful death suit itself when FTL Express and his widow eventually agreed to a $50,000 settlement after the legal system found ground the uh, acute bron bronco pneumonia. See, that one I can mm -hmm. pronounce, and that's a tough one. There's a lot of vowels in there, Alex. <laughs> uh, which took... Uh, his life was the bronchitis and was brought about as a result of injury sustained when an FTL truck rear-ended his truck, which was stopped because of a traffic accident. He was only 39 hmm. at the time of his death. Wow. Didn't see that coming. That's crazy. So, in closing, here's a quote. We, we try to uh, obviously leave him all with a quote. 
I'm, I'm going to go with the sources first. I'm going to get the sources and then we'll do the quote uh, to, to continue with that. So sources, again, big shout out to Zach for writing all this up, using a lot of words. I, I bet you as he, I, I can just see him right now. He's going to be listening to this laughing, being <laughs> like, I got so many words that that guy couldn't pronounce. He was doing it for you, Meg. But either way, big <laughs> shout out to Zach. So again, every time thanks, you Zach. Every time you're seeing some images and some stuff on the gram, make sure you say, hey, thanks, Zach. And uh, thank him for this great article because we do as well. Other sources are jeffkowicki.mirahezi.org. Cool name. Uh, New York Times, obviously, was referenced a couple of times. So newyorktimes.com. Wikipedia, New York Times, another one. And uh, wvrecord.com. The Grand Grandel Funeral Home.com. dndbeyond.com. So thank you to the sources as well. Ready to do the quote? Let's do it. A bad roll of the dice. A plan doomed to fail. An epic showdown with the big bad. Character death is a natural part of Dungeons and Dragons. And while spells like Revivify can undo a tragic swan dive off a cliff, your party may at times find themselves short of a diamond or spell slot to bring a dead character back to life. But there's value in letting characters fail. And death doesn't have to be final. You can use death to drive the narrative forward and facilitate great role play. That was from Michael Galvis from dndbeyond.com. So let us know, you know, if you're into D&D, let us know. Give a shout out to your favorite dungeon master in the comments below. And uh, let us know some of your favorite characters. And let us, well, let us know, I guess, if you happen to make love to goblins like Zach and his drunk friends. But either way... We can't thank you enough. And thank you, Meg, for taking some time on this lovely. It's not super late on a Sunday when we're doing this. I have to get up super <laughs> early for work on a Monday, but can't thank you enough. Hopefully you enjoyed it and learned a little bit about D&D. Hmm. Intriguing. Uh, yeah, definitely intriguing. Terrible story, but uh, I guess that's an interesting introduction to D&D for us. <laughs> but either way, can't thank you guys enough. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Episode 23. That's a wrap. Take care, everybody. Bye.